Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing today, Carol? Hey, what's up? Much. It's been a good week here. It is April 19th, 1997. I wish that I could take the sound of the S out of, like, the English language. Really? Because you love to do that so much. Can I interest you in some X later? Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? You were supposed to say ye. <laughs> oh, hi, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of funny, Carol, have you heard of Lord of the Dance? No. Lord of the Dance gets a one out of four stars. Ooh. Oof. They're going to be at the Palace of Auburn Hills on Monday. Does not sound like something to waste your money on. Here's the headline. Lord of the Dance wears self-indulgence. Lord of the Dance is one of the most unlikely spectacles to bounce down the pike in ages. It occupies a spot in the theatrical spectrum somewhere between American gladiators and Siegfried and Roy extravaganza. What the fuck? Holy shit. The twist, though, is that it's all done with Irish-inspired dance, so it ends up looking a little like a post-apocalyptic dru- druidic coronation. I thought you were going to say Drew Barrymore. <laughs> it looks like a post-apocalyptic Drew Barrymore. <laughs> Hi, guys. Um, I just love the flowers and the apocalypse. I can't do her voice. Um, yeah. but she, does, she has that kind of like sing-songy California voice. Okay, sure. I love that for you. Um, <laughs> so it's a dude that wears like tight pants and no shirt and he does the, like the, that Highland dancing, right? Okay. Lord of the Dance is the dream child of dancer choreographer Michael Flatley, who created this show after breaking away from Riverdance, another Irish dance extravaganza he upfound. This dude's into fucking uh, Irish dancing, isn't he? Fucking f- Irish dancing? <laughs> That sounds like a thing I would watch. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I've got to be into it. You know how like how large Irish families are, right? Uh, that a form of dance so ordered and arcane as Irish step dance could be expanded into something so lavish as Lord of the Dance or River Dance, for that matter, is a tribute not only to an endless in- ingenuity of showbiz promoters, but also the flexibility of the dance itself. On its surface, Lord of the Dance is a go-for-broke arena show laden with special effects, concert lighting, and over-the-top theatrics, all employed to tell a myth-like tale about good battling evil and ultimately being saved by a grateful spirit of the forest. But underneath the glitz, Lord of the Dance is an oversized formulaic variety show, a little corp dance, cor- cor- dancing. Uh, corp dancing. Well, it's C-O-R-P-S, so corpse. <laughs> a little core dancing, some featured dancers, and then a star, followed by a singer and some solo musical acts. Repeat the formula two or three times, and you've got an evening's entertainment. Do you, though? I don't think so. Lord of the Dance. Is that something you'd be interested in seeing at the Palace of Auburn Hills? No. Like I already said, hell no. That sounds awful. 
Lord of the Dance. Now, if it was corpse dancing, then maybe. Or fucking Irish dancing, <laughs> I would be about that. Okay. Well, we'll have to see if we can come up with that. <laughs> okay. You know what I was thinking about today? I was what? thinking about um, a, uh, oh, what was it? Oh, uh, a racist mathematician. What? Like a, a skit about a racist mathematician talking about mixed numbers. Holy shit. Wow, we don't we, we don't want no mixed numbers around here. My numbers keeping them themselves. You know how sometimes Don't mix the numbers. People say things like that you shouldn't say all the things that you think. This might be one of those <laughs> times. Come on, that's a funny idea. <laughs> mixed numbers, get it? Oh, I love it. Mixed vegetables. There you go. What? <laughs> mixed doubles. There you go. Yeah, could you expand into <laughs> it could expand into any arena. Sport racist sports commentator. We don't like mixed doubles. <laughs> How about this though? Also at the Palace of Auburn Hills, this on Saturday. The it says, Let the critics complain. So far British modern rock band Bush has shown staying power. The group brings Seattle-driven songs, not from Seattle, from its Razorblade suitcase album to the Palace of Auburn Hills. Ooh. With opener Veruca Salt. Tickets are $25. Do you want to go see yeah. Bush? Yeah, I want to see Bush and Veruca Salt. I like Veruca Salt, too. I agree. Let's do it. I really like that album, that Razorblade suitcase album. It's a good album. Good tour. British guys, but yeah, I guess Seattle sound. The British Invasion mixed with the Seattle sound. There's, yeah. there's you know, Seattle grungy bands that aren't from, from Seattle. Seattle. Yeah, That's I mean, there'd have to be. I mean, Like just, Stone Temple Pilots. It's not like we live in bubbles. It's not like all Seattle people, you know, stay in Seattle and only hear Seattle. And, you know, Detroit people fucking, you can't do Seattle music. Like, <laughs> nah. Detroit's more known as a rock center anyway. That's true. The Motown sound. Yep. I'm proud to be from Motown. Proud to be from Motown. <laughs> How about that? Uh, um, you remember, now this is a local reference for the people not in the area, but there used to be that commercial. I think it was for, I want to say it was for Channel 4 News. That would be NBC News, but WDIV, uh, where it was, uh, stand up and tell them you're from Detroit. Yes, I do that? remember that. <laughs> yeah. What is it with um us and pride? Just like, us as in a general? people, humans? No, like I. Why think, are you so proud of yourself, humans? I think Americans tend oh. to be like extra, like proud to be an American. You know? I think Michiganders tend to be quite insular. We we like to keep to ourselves. Like anyone that's not from Detroit is an interloper. Yeah. That's a very Michigan thing. I guess. I thought we were decently friendly. No, we're friendly, but like if you're like if somebody talks shit about Detroit, right? Mm-hmm. You better be from Detroit. Right. Because if you're from New York and like a late night comedian, you're making a joke about Detroit, then Detroiters are going to fucking hate you. Right. And they're going to fuck you up. We only talk about our city. <laughs> Speaking of Detroit, though, the Detroit area. Yeah. Carol. Yeah. We watched a movie. We did. It took, took place, place in, in the Detroit. Detroit area. 
Duck Bites in Detroit. Girls Point is part of Detroit. It's just the super rich, walled off part of Detroit. It's is it a different city though, isn't it? Or is it? I don't think so. Is it just? Um, so it's not actually a city. Is it? it's, not, it's just a, a neighborhood in Detroit. I mean, maybe it's its own little city, but I think like it's Highland a Park. neighborhood. Like East Detroit, which they renamed East Point. Right. Yes. I think it's it's. It either is or was part of Detroit. Grossed Point Blank. It's where some of my uh, brother's wife's family is from. Super rich. Yeah. It's where all the people that uh, employ child labor live. My, my, my issue with this movie, though, is like, I mean, the houses looked correct for the area. Yes, except there's not a lot of Tudor houses in, in the Detroit area. That's hard to find. Yeah, but... Like, they didn't seem as rich as they should seem for living in Gross Point. Right. I didn't hear anybody be like, Whoa. I mean, that's where, like, the fucking Muffy. millionaires in this area live. Oh, yeah. It's the, not the like... ultra, ultra rich. Not like, oh, you're doing well. Like, you live in Gross Point, you're fucking rich. You're it's fucking like, rich people. Like, not the Fords, but, like, who's the other rich family? The Illiches? They're one of them, but there's another. Like, I, I learned about them in school, and I can't remember. The DeVosses? Maybe. The, um, uh, what's his name? What's the other fucking dude's name? Peter something? Oh, I can't think of his name. There's another rich, Carmanos. Maybe. So there's Carmanos, the Illiches, the Fords, the DeVosses. Um, those are like the really rich families. You're talking about like prominent families in the area. But I mean, like in one city, that's a lot of rich people for like one small area. Yeah. Agreed. But yeah, so we watched Gross Point Blank. We did. With, uh. John Cusack. John Cusack. And and Minnie Driver. And his sister, uh, Joan Cusack. Yeah. I loved that the whole, the, like, John Cusack had a whole movie going on. And Joan Cusack had a whole movie of her own going on. <laughs> like, so they just cut back to her in the office sometimes, and just, she's just lighting things on fire. Right. <laughs> pouring gasoline all over the place. She, talking to somebody on the phone, like, screaming about orders and stuff like that. Or talking about what's going to happen at a birthday party coming up. And it's like... It, with no, there's no context to it. It doesn't involve his plot in any way. <laughs> well, it does a little. I mean, most of what she was talking about doesn't. But I mean, the burning it down involves him. I guess because it's his business. She's burning down mm-hmm. because he's done with it. Yeah, but it's just weird. She's they just we just occasionally cut back to her in her own movie doing her own thing. Yeah, it was weird. Well, they were on the phone sometimes. I mean, most of the time. Yes, that's when they cut back to her. Right. You don't understand what I'm saying? <laughs> that she was disjointed from the entire movie. Yes, because she was off set somewhere else. Doing her own thing. Yes. Right. Okay. <laughs> I thought that was funny. It was interesting, yes. I don't know if it 100% works, but it was, you know, it was a thing that they did. So we didn't discuss this movie after we watched it. We waited so that we could discuss it yeah. on this tape. Right. Did you like it or did you not like it? So you're, you're, I, I, 
I have to go first, huh? This time. <sighs> I don't know. It's it was weird. A lot of like I I was thinking a lot of the time through this movie, mm. what is this for? Like <laughs> Why am I watching this? What does it mean? Who cares? People were were saying things in very, it was very flowery language. Yeah. There, there was a scene where John Cusack uh, goes up to his, as, as Martin Blank goes up to his old high school, the points, and sees a teacher, Mrs. K, and they have this verbal back and forth like, right. like they're a vaudeville act. That's what it seemed like. Like they were going back and forth. Like, a, wow, it's been a while since you've been in town, and like, like just like, yeah, going back and forth. It seemed improvised almost, and I don't like. And I was that scene happened, and then it was over, and she never comes back. And it do, that's another thing that doesn't connect to anything. And I'm just like, what. Well, why am I watching? She was the second person in the movie to comment about how he pulled a disappearing act. At least the second, maybe the third. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that was just adding into the exposition, basically, as to I, what happened before this movie. I guess. But the exposition that happened before the movie is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Every- it also seems it's also really ridiculous that everyone cares so much. What do you mean? This, like, Mrs. K, right? She's been teaching for however many years, 30 years Uh or something like that. One kid doesn't graduate, just leaves, doesn't graduate, and they're like, oh, we, uh, you know, we thought, um, we didn't know what happened to you. I think he graduated. I think he just didn't go to the ceremony, because, like, what happened? Okay, Okay, so then why does she care? So this guy... Mm -mm, mm -mm. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. No. No, no. So, no, we're not going there yet. All right. So, I think ultimately I didn't really like it that much. Okay. There are things about it I liked, Mm -hmm. but as a whole, I don't think it really works. Okay. What did you think of it? Um, I... I know you have a lot of thoughts about this movie. I I kind of enjoyed watching it. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think it's more because I enjoy watching John Cusack and Minnie Driver together than the actual movie itself. Yeah. Um, They're very good. They're both excellent on screen. They have such good chemistry. Yeah. They've got really good chemistry with each other, and they're both really good actors. And they're fun. And I think they both kind of get the dialogue. Mm-hmm. The dialogue of this movie is very, it's almost Kevin Smith-like yeah. or, or Tarantino-like, but lighter. Because mm-hmm. it's all very, I mean, he comes into town and people are like, oh, what happened to you? He's like, oh, I kill people professionally. <laughs> he just like does not hide it in any way. Yeah, that was so weird. And... I think that's the point. It's like it's almost like a farce, right? Well, here's the thing, though, is that I, the way I took it was that he's introducing himself to these people saying, hey, I became a professional hitman. I kill people for a living. Mm-hmm. And people automatically assume he's joking. Yeah. And then everyone has a smart comment for it, too. Right. Do you get gentle with that? And I, I really, like, I don't know. I think that he just assumed that that's what would happen. That's but no one how has, everybody always reacts. No one has a follow-up question. 
No, but really, what do you do? I think it would have been better if he'd come in pretending to have some other job. I agree. And and I don't think it would have hurt anything or changed anything either. And I think Minnie Driver's reaction later when she finds out he's a professional killer and she's like, oh, so you lied and whatever, would have made more sense. Because yeah. like he literally did not lie. Right. He said he was a killer. You never asked him, oh, what's your real job? Because that's obviously a lie. Never asked him that. So, yeah. I mean, if, if somebody asked me, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, I make tapes for strangers to listen to. <laughs> you talk about movies. They'd be like, oh, that's interesting. Do you, you know, can you get dental with that or whatever? And I'm like, no. And then later they find out that's what I do. And they're like, oh, you lied. It's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> right. It was factually an accurate statement. Yeah. I knew, too, who, who he was going to have to kill. How? When we first met him. And I was like, yeah, it's going to be the guy. How? Because there's no other reason that she still lives with her dad and everything. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> and he talks about something like, oh, well, yeah, I, like, I fuck people over or whatever. I don't know. He talks about how he's a dick. Mm-hmm. I thought the scene when they were in her bedroom and then she had him, what did she call it? Do the airplane or whatever? Yeah. Was weird as hell. There was a lot of weird stuff in this movie. I mean, that's like a weird activity to be like, I I remember dating. You were alone in a bedroom. This is what I want to relive. Right. I want to relive you treating me like a (laughs) five-year-old. Put me up in the air on your feet. Let me do the airplane. (laughs) Yeah, I thought he was going to do the helicopter. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, there was a lot of weird things about this movie. I, I feel like the guy that whoever wrote this movie... That this is a lot about... There's a lot of his life in this, I think. Well, I hope he's not a professional killer. No, he's a professional writer. Well, you could do both. I guess. I mean, neither one, you know, has a strict schedule. That's true. (laughs) Story idea about a professional writer who's also a professional killer. There you go. Writes about the kills. Yeah. Hey. And then that's the the cops, you know, get wind of it a little bit, get onto him. And he's got a, and it's a female cop. Your next book, it's writing itself right now. And it's a female cop, and she's hot, and they have a steamy, passionate affair that's forbidden. It's like she gets to know him, you know, like she's like infiltrates him or whatever, but she can't help herself. Why aren't you writing more books? (laughs) You want to read that now, don't you? It sounds hot. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds cool. I like it. Anyway, so maybe I'll write that one. Okay. Uh, What was I going to say? I don't know. Something, I never know what you're going to say. Something about this movie. So you don't know if you like the movie? I mean, I think I I have to say I did because I walked out feeling I enjoyed what I just watched. However, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm going, what the fuck is it? It's a really odd duck of a movie. Yeah. And like, I mean, the whole gross point angle is weird because it's not that much like gross point. I guess the whoever was... Whoever wrote this, I guess, is from here, maybe? I don't, like, why else set it in gross point? What is, you know, what's the point of it? I don't know. I mean, I might write something and set it in New York City, but I don't live there. Yeah, but New York City is a well-known big city. Gross point's not. I mean, did did he think, I want this, I want the character's name to be Martin Blank, because that's, you know, he's a, he's a nobody. That's yeah. that's That's clever and, and whatever. And he said... To himself, I, another clever thing I want to do is have the end of this be point blank. But it's a city name, point blank. So what cities end in points in the country? And then he looked it up and found Gross Point. Maybe. Or he's from here. 
don't know. It could have been the other one. Yeah, I guess. But anyway, yeah, the the whole point of it being in Gross Point doesn't it's not it doesn't make a lot of sense. Although I can see John Cusack being from Detroit. Yeah. I don't think he is, but I could see it. So also, okay, so this guy, like I was gonna say before, the basic story of this man is that he stood his high school girlfriend up for prom. Right. Mini driver. And by the way, I, the whole time I was watching this, I was thinking, what are we? When is her her lesser known sister ever going to be in a movie? Full sized driver. Ha. <sighs> Whatever. Okay. I thought. Whenever I try I, to talk, I thought of that chick. You're like, while let we me say watch, something. While we were watching it, I was I was cracking myself up, but I had to keep it in. To not tell you, full-sized driver. <laughs> because I wanted to see the, I wanted to see the the visual embodiment of a groan, which is the look on your face <laughs> when you heard me say it. Oh. Okay, so anyway, again, yeah. he stood up his high school girlfriend for prom. Yes, many She was wearing, this is about the only reference they make to being rich. She was wearing a $700 prom dress. Right, menacent driver. <sighs> anyway. Mm-hmm. And he went off and joined the army. Yes. But when he took the test. Yeah, they, t- they that is true. They have you take a test. It showed that he had a certain moral ambiguity. Uh-huh. That would allow him to do hits. Well, yeah, whatever. Work for the CIA. Yeah, so they had Special him do that. And then when he was done, he just went into business for himself, doing it. Right. So really, the government turned him into a killing machine. Correct. They do that with a lot of kids. Do you think he's a sociopath? Uh no. Okay. Do you? I don't know. I feel like almost like you'd have to be to kill a bunch of people. I think he has, um, well, he feels guilty about it now. Yeah, he's he's in therapy because he threatened his therapist to continue to see him. His therapist doesn't want to continue to Alan see Arkin, him. Alan Arkin, who is hilarious, almost wasted in this movie, but not quite. Right. There's a, there, I, I want more Alan Arkin in this movie. <laughs> I want a whole movie about uh, uh, a killer and his therapist. I love, though, that he's like, I told you that if you tell me about crimes you've committed or are going to commit, I can't, you know, I, yeah. I have to tell people so I can't see you. But you just keep showing up every week. Right. <laughs> Get out of here. I told you I don't want to see you. Um, No, but yeah, he's hilarious in this movie. And yeah, so he, I don't think he's a sociopath or a psychopath like Minnie Driver calls him. Mm-hmm. I think that he's, I think, you know, like soldiers aren't sociopaths. Yeah. I, I think that, I think there's a way you can rationalize it. And his rationalization is, if I show up at your door, you probably did something to bring me, to there. Bring me there. He says that a couple times in this movie, and I think that's his, it's bullshit, probably, but I think it's his bullshit rationalization for... Being able to kill people. Mm-hmm. I just think he shuts his brain off to it. He doesn't think about it. And he does have like some kind of moral ambiguity to it. I think people are more there. So there are people that I think. I don't think you have to be a sociopath to do this, but I think there are many people that couldn't be killers. Right. 
because they're they have too much empathy. They have too much. You know, I think it's almost like a spectrum. I don't think he's full sociopath, but he's more towards that right. that side than he is towards a normal empathetic person. He's not completely well. Right. Oh, he's definitely not well. But like his therapist says, maybe, just maybe you're feeling bad about all the people you killed. Like, right. Yeah. They don't explore that enough either. No. Like that's an idea that's brought up, like you said, in that one sentence. And then, you know, he kind of says it later in the movie too, where he says he's like feeling guilty about it. He's, I'm not killing anybody and I'm like, I'm feeling you know, better and stuff like that. But it's doesn't. It's not an idea that's not woven through the plot. Yeah. Yeah, you don't see him struggle much at all with emotions. No, he goes to see his mom who's suffering from dementia. He's a little upset, but it seemed seemed almost more like he's more upset about the money he sent her. Right. Where did the money go, mom? (laughs) And the fact that his house was turned into a convenience store. Which sucks, yeah. Sold by Jeremy Piven, who's... I guess from we remember we saw PCU. He was in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, who I guess is a real estate agent in the area, and I guess he's doing well. You should be right. He's selling real estate in Gross Point, right for sure. But, selling one house would probably put you up for a year or two, right? But yeah, like there's there's a whole bunch of like weird side characters in this movie. Like at one point, he goes with Jeremy Piven because he's trying to show in this house. And this security guard comes up that also graduated with them in 1986. Like, every, everyone in this fucking town graduated from this high school in 86, I guess. Because <laughs> they're, they're, they're all still there. Right. And he comes up to him and he's like, he's working as a security guard in the area for the, the housing association. And they have, this, they have this conversation. And it's like, this dude's like a wacky character. But that's basically all we get of him. Is yeah. that one scene. And it's like... You took the time to write this character, but you didn't give him anything else to do other than this one weird conversation. Seems almost like a waste. I don't know. I don't know. Like, the whole movie, it's just, you do wonder the point. It's a hangout movie, I guess, but it's like, it's the weirdest kind of hangout movie. (laughs) Or it's a romantic comedy, Mm, maybe. No, no. A dark comedy? I mean, like, I don't know what it is. I mean, there is, like, a romance there, and, like, they do have sex. The barest hint of a romance, though. Like, they have history, and they have really good chemistry. Take away the chemistry between the actors, or or put a couple actors that aren't as good at acting. It would be ridiculous. Yeah, and the whole thing fails. As written, it's bare bones well yeah like and like when they see each other first of all she's mad at him because he stood her up and it's been 10 years yeah. right and immediately they just they like kiss each other but they also look like they want to hit each other and it's like mm-hmm. it works because it's them but it right. wouldn't work at all with other actors yeah and like like i said it's as written on the page it does not they bring this to life in yeah. a way that it doesn't even deserve right but yeah as written it's like you would you would think to yourself, why? Why do these people care about each other in any way? Well, it's like, I mean, yeah, it's been 10 years. She hasn't She's, moved on. Yeah, exactly. She's just been sitting at that radio station pining for 10 years. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't like Makes that. Makes her seem like a loser. Well, and what about him, though, too? She did get married, though. Oh, yeah, that's true. She, she, she's divorced. She, mar- she mentioned that she got married, and she got married young, and just didn't work. Yeah. 
And like I'm sure he had other stuff, but who knows? Wow. What? Is that how you're referring to vaginas now, I guess? No, I mean other like stuff. it could have been relationships Double or stuff. you know, other stuff. Uh <laughs> who knows? He doesn't really mention anybody else. No. But. He says he's been dreaming about her for like 10 years. So maybe he's the one who hasn't moved on and has no life or whatever. Well, he certainly doesn't seem like he has a life. How many personal attachments can you make as a professional killer? Well, yeah. And I mean, like, that's been his whole life for 10 years. He joined the army. He did hits for the CIA. And then he went into his own, you know, yeah. business. So, yeah, he has nothing. And now Dan Aykroyd's trying to pull him into a union. <laughs> it's like, and is this movie anti-union? What's like, it's so <laughs> weird. I don't understand. It is weird. And then... They have Hank Azaria, a famous voice on The Simpsons, and he's been in some other things like Herman's Head, Mm -hmm. and a black actor who I don't know, sorry. But they have them going around following him as government agents that Dan Aykroyd has sicked on on John Cusack's character to kill him. But they're waiting until he's in the act of committing a crime, then they can kill him, he said. And it seems like they want to kill him, but they have to wait till he does this thing or whatever. There's a few, there's several scenes of them talking, being together and stuff like that. Yeah. And then at the end, they just get shot and killed by Dan Aykroyd and John Cusack. And it's like, why Dan Aykroyd? Why are you shooting them? Yeah. You sicked them on him. He, they're shooting at him. Why did you kill them with John Cusack? Yeah, what that, the fuck's that the point? whole thing was so confusing that Pointless. I almost like I almost like just ignored it because it didn't make any sense to me. And that's the the problem with this movie is it's an octopus. Yeah, like there are tentacles of plots just flailing all over the place, and yeah, they're kind of held together by a central head, but not really. Yeah, there's so much of this movie that could have just been trimmed out. Like they don't, you don't need the government agents. You don't need the weird fucking, I don't know what he is, uh, Eastern European dude with black eyes that's fucking following him around. Remember he sees that weird, like, oddly buff dude? I mean, he's just like, he's got that big, like, barrel chest. Kind of? The one that he kills, the mini driver sees the body. Okay, yeah, yeah, the yeah. The one they throw in the furnace. Yeah, what was that about? Yeah, they go down to Freddy Krueger's furnace and just <laughs> throw him in there. It's so weird. But, I mean, like, who was that dude? Like, that didn't really make sense to me either. They mentioned that John Cusack, Martin Blank, did a job in Portland or somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. And during that job, he accidentally killed a dog, I guess. Some rich guy's dog. And then the head of that organization whose dog he killed sent out an assassin after him to kill him because he killed the dog on accident. Wow. Yeah, so that's the explanation for why he's there. But it's like, this would have been better as it's a mad, 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 mad world, (laughs) but assassins. Like, if you wanted to go that route, he could have come for his high school reunion and, like, every assassin around descends to try to kill him. He's on everyone's hit list for some reason, where it's like that dude and... uh, Dan Aykroyd, and then like seven other guys. Right. And he's dodging uh, murder attempts while trying to romance Mini Driver and then just focus it totally on that. Yeah. And then then you got yourself a better movie, I think. Or 
he's got this moral ambiguity of what's going on and you know I'm feeling angst and and ennui and and whatever and ennui yeah it's sadness essentially and um listlessness and he is reliving his high school days high school reunion whatever and just focusing on that and leave all the rest of that out mm-hmm. but they tried to do a little bit of one and a little bit of the other and it just it doesn't work for me yeah it's a little manic yeah I don't know, but I still overall like enjoyed watching it, as weird as it was. Yeah, there were things about it I liked, but it's like, like I said, it, while I was watching, I was like, why, why is this? <laughs> why does this exist? Well, I mean, like we could ask you that question about any of your books. Okay, why, why, like, why is this a personal attack on me? <laughs> and why are we talking about my books all of a sudden? Well, I'm talking about your books because you were talking about writing, and so that made me. Or, you know, writing the movie that made me think about it. And mm. then I was just, you know, still in that frame of mind. And you just wanted to shit on me about my books. I'm now. not shitting on you. I'm just saying, like, you're being a little harsh to other creative people. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> That's true. It's the premise <laughs> of this entire endeavor. Okay, fine. Never mind. Jeez. I'm just saying, I think it would have been better as it's a mad, 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 mad world, but assassins. And I guess, you know, it's good to be able to... Look at what you're watching and say that's why it's there and what it's trying to do. Right. And when you can't answer those questions, that's not good. It's just there. there's a big disconnect, I think, in the movie and the viewer. Yeah. It seemed like I was watching an inside joke for an incident that I was not, a, I was not present at. <laughs> okay. Like, like people were just describing this thing to me and it's like, at the end of the movie, I, I wanted John Cusack to turn to the screen and go, I guess you had to be there. <laughs> it's like, what is going on? There were, like I said, there were things that I thought were interesting about it. At one point, John or Jeremy Piven's hitting on this Jenny girl, this blonde chick, and she like essentially completely ignores him. Looks like she wants to fuck John Cusack, but completely ignores Jeremy Piven. Oh, your microphone tried to assassinate you. It did. But then for the rest of, so to finish what I was saying about the uh, multitasking here, everyone, to finish what I was saying about the, the blonde chick, Jenny, she completely ignores Jeremy Piven. Looks like she's completely disgusted by him, right? Okay, everyone prepare your ears. Oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, but then the rest of the movie, every time we see a shot, like they do a crane shot or whatever of the, the dance floor and everything of this reunion that they're at, she's dancing with Jeremy Piven. Huh. Literally danced the rest of the night. I noticed that. And I was like, I thought Jenny was fucking disgusted when Jenny decided that she had no, she had no other prospects. I guess. And then <laughs> the, the dude from 90210, the big fucking football player oh, dude yeah, yeah, yeah. from 90210 walks in. And it's like a dick to to John Cusack's character. And it's never really explained why. They just have some sort of rivalry, I guess, from right. high school. <laughs> and then later, he's like, I'm going to fucking kick your ass or whatever. He sees him in the hallway after Minnie Driver and him have sex in the nurse's office. And he's like, look, you know, there is no we. What are you talking about? This has been 10 years. Who gives a shit? You know, like, basically, like, you really want, still want to care about that stuff? And he... 
he gives him a hug and like kind of just talks him down and everything. And he's like, oh, I wrote something. And he like pulls out <laughs> and it's like this poem and he reads the first two lines. He's like, skip to the end. And he's like, that's the way it is or whatever. I don't know how it ended. I don't yeah. Remember. But he's like, oh, it's good or whatever. It's clear he's drunk. And then John Cusack leaves. And I, that whole scene, I was like, why is this? Like, what? <laughs> why does the movie have time for this? What is this? But I mean, it kind of made you feel like, okay, that's what would happen at my high school reunion, you know? Like, <laughs> to run into. What? Like, all these unresolved, like, relationships and running into people that you have issues with. and Because know. he walked out on everyone one day before fucking the last day of school. Right. Maybe. I don't know. It seemed weird. It was weird. It was weird. I mean, overall, I liked it, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I said at the beginning I didn't. But I can't decide. I guess I would say go and watch it, view it yourself, and, yeah. see what, and make up your own mind. Decide is, if you is, like it. Is the best way I can put it. But it was... I don't think it was cohesive enough. I think that's its biggest problem. There was not enough narrative drive for me to really care about it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not one of like the greatest movies of all time or anything, but it's an interesting and enjoyable It watch. was enjoyable enough. It's not terrible. Right. It's confusing more than anything else. Yeah, it is kind of confusing. <laughs> and like, you're not even sure how you feel about it when it's done. No. Because then he ends up with Minnie Driver. But that didn't seem like that was going to happen either. And it didn't seem like they should. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And then they just drive off and they're like, she's playing a recording for her radio show? Yeah, like what? what is happening there? Can, can you, you just created a machine that can just do your job for you? Right? And does she own that radio station? What the fuck's going on with that? I don't understand any of that either. She didn't seem like she had a boss or security or anything. <laughs> I don't know. It has a kind of a small town vibe happening. Yeah, which Gross Point is not really. No. Anyway, that's the episode for the week, Carol. It is. So you can go ahead and write us at latefee1994 at com. Mm-hmm. Check out our website at www.retroleafy.com. Yeah. And share the tapes with your friends. Yeah, we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.